Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right. We are recording and welcome to another episode of the Hunt Series. Should have been a regular episode mixed in to these Hunt Series. Um... Everyone seems to, not everyone probably, but a lot of people seem to enjoy those, but still trying to mix in regular episodes. Um, It was actually, if you haven't listened to it, it's an episode I was a guest on a podcast with John Stallone. Um, Used to be interviews with the Hunting Masters, I think, and then he changed it to Days in the Wild, I believe. So anyway, always fun to go on other podcasts, um, you know, just different questions and different perspective. And, you know, he tried to get a few just hunting stories with some valuable insight out of it for me. So, or from me. So anyway, I am driving cause that's how we do on the hunt series. You never know where I'm going to record from. And this is about as real and raw as it gets so who knows uh my i know that my wife's car which i'm driving is relatively loud on the road so i'm sure that this is going to be a little different sounding episode and that's all that's all good i'll try to try to keep it short and sweet here got about 30 40 minutes till i get home so Wanted to just keep it rolling and, you know, nothing too crazy, but did want to kind of recap my hunt and talk, uh, you know, upcoming what we're doing this weekend and then what I'm diving into with my scouting. So, yeah, finished up my finished up my race this last weekend and uh, it was it was great, man. It was it was perfect. It, just the right amount of suck to, you know, wake me up and get me more motivated to stay in shape, but not so much that, you know, I questioned my existence while I was running the race. It was about, ends up being about eight and a half miles on a 14 K and trail race, you know, so there's a little up and down. Um, so overall it was good. I finished almost almost identical time as I did two years ago, which hard to remember back that far, but I wasn't in good shape this time going around. Uh, now I, I actually had maybe been running a little more if that makes sense, but man, you can still, you can still be running and be in bad shape or be fat, so to speak, which I kind of am right now. So, um, one kind of funny thing about this whole race was, you know, if you know me, I'm the guy who I try not to dip my hand in too many more hobbies 
and I don't I don't even necessarily consider running or trail racing or whatever a hobby as much as it's just a necessary evil or you know the means to an end so to speak I'm just trying to get my butt around the mountains in the backcountry not that I maybe wouldn't be doing this if I didn't hunt or had a reason to but it's sure an easy way to get my butt off the couch easy excuse to get my butt off the couch I signed up for these races in the summer and just keeps me in check a little bit so um but that being said when I or if I choose to put something on my plate man it is so hard for me not to go all out right and it's something that I I need to work on because there's a time and a place to you know have all the best gear and go 100% and there's other times when maybe I should just not or maybe be involved in something and just you know fishing for example granted I worked at Shields and at Shields when you work there you know you 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 spend so much time in a in a retail store like that working around something and you just convince yourself that you need a hobby but then you get great prices or you go to these training events and you get this free gear promo or whatever and so you know I have I have crazy high quality fishing gear you know probably thousands of dollars worth of rods and reels definitely I mean yeah anyway I've got some very good fishing stuff I probably fish three times a year but when I go I'm like I want to have the best and it's not a good (laughs) it's probably not a good way to be you know especially if you can't keep control of yourself from having a bunch of different hobbies um like I sometimes can't but for better or for worse when I do something I like to be in it and so back to this trail race you know we I've known about this I've literally known about this for over a year I mean we were we've been signed up since you know a year and a half ago when we signed up the first time before COVID and so I've known about it for a long time, and I don't have a real purpose-built pair of trail shoes. Um, I actually will run, if I'm not going real long, I'll run um, in my crispy, uh, I think it's the Ativas, the originals, right? The lows, and they have kind of a kind of a trail running type tread. They are not meant or built to be a trail running shoe, but they work. And their their only downside really is they're just, you know, there's they're designed to be a, a a hiking shoe. And so some of the leather and some of the components and stuff are not, you know, as light as some of these like real purpose built trail running shoes. Um, and so but I will I have ran in those trail anytime I'm out, you know, in the little hills or whatever, I'll run in those. Well it came time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm training for this race and most of my running or tra- training for this particular race was on pavement or, you know, we live in a really small town. And so some of the, the, like the side road that we live on from the main road, most all of it is dirt, but it's, it's really well maintained, you know, for the most part. And so it's not 
anyway, you can you can run and tre- into street uh, you know pavement running shoes, and that's what I've been doing. And I keep telling myself, man, you need to get a pair of trail shoes. You need to get them broke in. Um, you know, you need to get a pair of trail shoes. You need to get them broke in for this race. Keep telling myself that. Well, as life does, it just kind of kept. I put put it off. Never got anything. Didn't want to spend the money or whatever. And so it's time to leave for this trail race, and I still just have my street shoes. Well, it's a little different, you know, running and training on your gravel dirt road that's, you know, paved or, uh, you know, graded and maintained at home than it is up and down mountain trails, you know, on on this trail race, specifically downhill right? The uphill and the flat is whatever, but man, when you start coming off some of those descents that they have in these trail races and slippery gravel, you know, type, uh, dirt trail underneath you and those, um, pavement shoes are just not built with the right tread or traction. I just knew it was going to be a problem. And yet we literally packed up and took off Friday before the race. And I had those shoes, and that was it. I, th- I did throw my Krispies in just as a, a backup, but we get on our way up to where we're going, you know, stop by, we stop in Billings and there's, you know, if you know Billings, there's quite a few um, sporting goods stores there. So end up at a couple different sporting goods stores. By the time we leave, <laughs> by the time we leave Billings, I not only have bought two pairs of brand new trail running specific shoes. But I've also invested in calf suppression sleeves. (laughs) New new running short two-in-one short spandex combos. And top it all off with a brand new one of the trail running packs, you know, the is designed to hold water and whatever because I'm just convinced I need to pack a couple packs of goo and uh you know eight and a half miles is too far to go without water because I'm fat and um (laughs) just had a mountain ops electrolyte packet in there that I was gonna slam partway through the race and just these are all the things that were gonna you know be the difference these are what's gonna make me love this race (laughs) and so I I'm the guy I'm the guy I show up at this race and I I must have looked just like some newbie hunters look to me you know they show up at the trailhead in brand new camo they're taking the tags off or a brand new pack they've never used or you know boots I've actually done it with the boots, right? I've done it with the Krispies. I've told that story on here on the Hunt Series, I think. But, you know, luckily, I've been around, you know, athletics and training and running and and how how shoes should fit my feet enough that I picked a pair of shoes. I ended up, the two, the two shoes that I showed up with were the Ultra, um, a trail shoe from Ultra, which is a little different design that I'll talk about. And then uh, um, I think it's on on running or on cloud running or I can't I can't remember the it's a weird, weird brand. But 
Um, anyway, I ended up running in the ultras. They, there's a couple specific things about their design that's really unique and that I kind of, I kind of like. Um, the one is a really wide, they have a really wide toe box, like overly wide. They almost look ridiculous. Um, you know, similar to the way that Hoka's, if you're familiar with Hoka running shoes, look, they have so much padding usually that they look ridiculous. The ultras almost look ridiculous of how much toe box room they have. Um, but surprise, you know, the, the principle is you, you know, as you take each step and put your weight on it, your toe box, you know, your, your toes want to spread out. And, and it's true, right? I mean, it makes sense. Most, most running shoes, when you're at rest, they fit right. And then, you know, as you start, uh, running, you know, it feels like those, those sidewalls, you know, that's why you see, I think a lot of times, like my wife, she gets blisters all the time on the side of her toe and the side of the balls of her feet. And maybe that's why, but, um, anyway, really wide toe box, which I liked. Uh, and then the other weird design with these is they have what's called like a zero angle build. And I am no trail running shoe expert, but the way that they pitch it is that's kind of your foot's natural angle relative to the ground, right? There's not really, you know, a, a, a extra padding on your foot. You know, it's just, that's a zero. If you picture that zero angle now, they can, they still build shoes with like a really high cushion um, or a moderate cushion or a low cushion. And I, I actually ended up running the low cushions, but they all have that zero angle built in. And what I noticed, and, and, and they, they, they're upfront about this, like it will change the way that your body is used to utilizing, you know, your feet and your calves specifically because of that zero angle. Your most shoes have, you know, substantial amount, a little bit higher angle padding on the back and when we run we get used to hitting that you know and contacting that first and these what I realized is that these shoes force you onto the balls of your feet they force you onto the balls of your feet and therefore the more you run and the longer you run um, the more worn out you know your calves and stuff get especially at first and then they they said two to three weeks or whatever your body usually gets used to that but it really was good training because I, you know, the very little that I understand, like you want to be running, you don't want to be contacting your heel first. You want to be contacting your running on the balls of your feet with a little angle forward on your body and so on and so forth. And these really forced you to do that because there wasn't any padding there on your heels. If you, you know, if you contacted your heels first, it was, it almost felt like, and especially in these, right? They, as I mentioned, they have, I had the low cushion model that were, they just happened to be on sale and they fit well, but they were a low cushion uh, model. So really not a lot of cushion there. And so you just couldn't get away with impacting your heel first, especially in these. So I have other trail shoes, um, you know, that I've ordered or that I'm going to run in that probably do have the regular cushioning. And so we'll see if I'm able to go back and forth or if this is like you know, like a religious thing where you need to like switch over to just this style of shoe with the ultras or whatever. But anyway, I was the guy. That's the punchline. I was the guy. I showed up. All this new stuff. I'm like over at the truck when we're, you know, we show up in the morning. I'm like trying to 
you know, kick some dust on my shoes so I don't look like the guy with pulling the tags off all my gear and just anyway. So it was fun though. Um, yeah, like I said, did about the same as I did a couple years ago, which, you know, good and bad, um, considering that we've been through, you know, COVID and all this, and that's not an excuse. It's, or it is an excuse. It's not, you know, a reason to not be in shape, but I'll tell you what it did that race, regardless of where I finished, which isn't necessarily as important as, you know, it, it kick-started me. And that's why I like these early, kind of early summer, late spring runs is it really kick-started me back on track of my diet. So for the last week, I've been really good. I've been watching what I'm eating uh, relatively well. When I do slip up, you know, rather than eating an entire, you know, pack of cookies like I can do, um, I had one the other night and I just limited it and that's not like me. And so, you know, but it was like, man, you've ran that race. Hunting's really getting around, it's coming around the corner. You know, you've dropped a little bit of weight, like let's keep this going. And so it's, it's kickstarted me. Um, when I weighed this morning, I was, uh, came in at 224. So down from 234, you know, and, and weight, my weight will fluctuate, you know, I mean, depending on the hour of the day, it seems like, you know, I might fluctuate a pound or two or three or whatever, you know, evening versus morning versus, you know, how much I've eaten the day before, whatever. Um, but 224. And so that's good. That's, that's 10, uh, 10 on my way down on my way to 210 by the, the end of August. So definitely have plenty of time to get there if I just stay diligent, stay on track here. And it's looking pretty good. So and I, I don't know, you just, you know how it is. You feel better. Um, you feel, you know, I'm, I went for a run last night, the first long run that I had had since uh, the race. I had, I, had, I had hobbled, you know, a mile or two a couple times this week, but really last night was like, okay, you know, it's been four or five days or whatever it was, and I was pretty, pretty much fully recovered and went and was planning to do four miles, and it was just on, you know, basically on flat pavement, but ended up, like, I was feeling super good. Um, what ran an extra mile, got five in last night. And so, you know, it's just, I, again, I've been through this multiple, if not dozens and dozens of times in my life with sports. And I know what it takes and where, uh, you know, I'm, I basically what I'm trying to say is I can feel myself round in that corner. And if I can just stay diligent for another, you know, two to four weeks here, um, I'm going to round that corner where, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting in better shape. So, okay, um, scouting where I'm at in my head with with hunts and stuff, and then just uh, I'll wrap up with our weekend plans. Um, yeah, heavy, heavy e scouting going on right now. So again, recap: I have not drawn jack diddly squat nothing. Um, I have a random over the counter tag in Idaho that I've, I looked at the unit briefly back in December when I bought the tag, haven't looked at it since. And then I'm putting, you know, and, and part of the reason for that, I'm not getting heavy into the Idaho scouting for that tag is because I technically still have a limited draw 
Idaho uh, tag in that results aren't out for quite yet. They might be by the time this releases, but I'm, I just need to see where that settles to know exactly what tag. And if, if it's just the over-the-counter that I'm stuck with and I don't draw the limited draw in Idaho, it will definitely play second fiddle to my Wyoming tag here. Um, and so heavy on the e-scouting though with my Wyoming tag. Um, I do have an app in for a leftover Colorado tag. And so there's a small chance that I picked that up. It's in a unit that I have been to in the past. Uh, at least my first choice was so. Um, but Wyoming, only thing that's like guaranteed and it's top of my list, guaranteed 100% right now. So that's where I've been spending any free time that I have for scouting, uh, flying around on, on Onyx Maps. And I don't know if I've talked about this. I think I have, but I'll briefly touch on it again. The scouting genie has popped out and given me exactly what I want. Uh, with this Onyx 3D maps, I'm going to be honest, like it's where I will do all my scouting now. I finally, they finally have a 3D option with trails and unit lines and all my waypoints on Onyx. And it, I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's exactly what needed to be in existence for the last 10 years, I feel like. Constantly going back and forth, two different screens. You know, if you're lucky, you have two screens set up and you can cross-reference. You could cross-reference Google 3D maps and you would use that to, you know, but then you'd have to cross-reference on X. And I know there's guys out there smarter than me that have e-scouting down a lot better, but I'm not that guy. And so I didn't know how to overlay all the trails and all that kind of mumbo jumbo onto my Google Earth. Now I have all that, doesn't matter because I have it on Onyx, 3D with contour lines, with all my waypoints, with trail systems, with whatever else I want from Onyx, right? Wilderness, uh, you know, remoteness layers, all the hunt units or whatever. And so that uh, is where I'm spending all my time. And what am I looking for? Man, I'm just like, if you looked at my OnX in the state of Wyoming right now, dozens and dozens of new waypoints that I mark as points of interest. And that just is an indicator to me that I haven't necessarily been there. This is a place that I need to look at. And again, I've probably got a couple dozen of those, if not more, uh, marked out. What am I looking for specifically? I'm looking for obvious, you know, remote, hard, hard to get into remote, not necessarily deep. When I say remote, I don't mean 10 miles deep. I just mean remote as in off of a main trail system, away from where any, here's a big one, away from where anyone could glass from a road, right? You have to, and that's how I use the 3D map is I'll really get down on that level. You know, it's, it, it might look like a certain basin, you know, in a two-dimensional two view could be glassed from 
you know, this road or that peak or whatever. But then when you drop into 3D mode and you really put perspective on how well you can or cannot see into a certain basin, you realize real quick, oh, this basin, no one can see into it until they physically hike up and get in on top of it and look down into it. That is a very good place to start. Okay, that is, those are points of interest to me. Um, the harder it looks like to get into, the better. Again, that could be one mile, that could be 10 miles, I don't care. But those are the type of points of interest that I'm marking, and there are probably hundreds of those, if not more, across the state of Wyoming. So that is the type of scouting that I'm doing right now. Um, how will I attack that going forward? Well, I've got a solid two to three weekends, if not more, three-day weekends. These are ones that I've talked about where I've pre taking days off. I'm taking a Friday. I'm taking a Friday or a Monday or whatever. And I have a three day weekend and call it a 50, 50 mix, right? I'm, I'm looking to spend 50% of my time hitting, uh, little hot spots or, uh, my quote unquote honey holes or whatever you want to call them places that I think are good to hunt or hold deer that I've already been to in the past. And that's more to check up on see if there's any shooter bucks or big bucks that I want to chase this year in that in that area. And then the other 50 would be hitting these new new areas to really just put the nail in the coffin and put eyes on it physically, hike into it, see how hard it is to get into it, see if my 3D scouting holds true and that it's, you know, I can really only see into this basin or a couple different basins by hiking up there, how hard was it to get into? What's the general feel for the traffic, right? This is like, this happens in Colorado a lot. You know, you can learn a lot by how much uh, granola traffic is gonna hit a, an area just by going in the summer on a, you know, a three-day weekend, 4th of July weekend is great or whatever, because, you know, they don't, they don't have seasons or tags. They're out there year, you know, all summer. So getting a feel for, you know, the pressure that's going to be put in there is this, you know, uh, I don't know, is this a hotspot destination? Is there some, you know, monument hiking destination nearby that people are going to be coming through or whatever? So just getting that in-person feel throughout the summer here is it's absolutely, I mean, it's just invaluable. Like it takes everything that you think you have figured out from Google Earth and it it confirms or denies what you're thinking is actually true, puts eyes on it. Then, then again, you know, reverse, you know, I call it reverse scouting. Um, once I've seen it, then I go back and I orient myself again with the 3D uh, on X version or Google Maps version to really put that picture in my head of what I saw and what it looked like in person. Right. And I, I just bank those for, you know, different scouting sessions to come in different areas that I'm looking at just to keep that perspective of what things look like in person versus what you think they look like on Google Earth. So, um, yeah, that's I mean, that's it in a nutshell. I've got, you know, most of us have like a three day weekend on Fourth of July here in a week or two. Um, probably be 
spending some time out on that if I can get away. And then I've got at least two other weekends, three-day weekends, like every two weeks in July, um, if I can break away from the family and the kiddos without getting divorced. Jen, if you're listening to this, I love you so much, and you're very special to me. (laughs) She found the Hunt series, and she's so excited because she feels like this is now where she can go to hear all of my most deepest innest thoughts, inner thoughts, and what's really on my mind and, you know, stuff that she probably wishes I would have a conversation with her about in person. But she says that, and yet we have conversations about all the hunting stuff, and I start getting excited about it, and I can tell that she doesn't love it as much as I love talking about it. So I don't know. I don't know why she likes this format so much, but she's found the hunt series, and so I'm sure she's listening. But And that's the last thing. So, so... Speaking of the family and the foster kiddos, we are, we've lost our mind. We're traveling seven hour road trip over a uh, two day weekend here, basically two and a half day weekend down to Utah and back. Uh, Grandparents on my mom's side, 60th wedding anniversary party deal uh, Saturday, tomorrow. So we have completely lost our minds and we're going to take off with a three and a four-year-old basically and drive for seven hours straight. Please pray for us. I know that it will be after the fact that you even hear this and it already happened, but just at that point, just pray for us, you know, that we regain our sanity I guess not that we necessarily get through the event because it's already happened by now by the time you hear this but just pray that we get our sanity back and that we everything gets back to normal and that we survived and made it because I don't know what we're thinking we'll see Um, (laughs) that's what's going on Um, yeah I think that that is a wrap on the Hunt Series, uh, Series 4 for now. Uh, hopefully by the time we talk next, I will have maybe a scouting trip or maybe on, on my way to a scouting trip. That would be a really good um, next time to catch up, you know, and just kind of give a brief rundown of, I don't know, my gear, what I have packed, where you know, what tag I'm going to scout for. Maybe there'll be some more draw results out by that first week in July. So hope everyone else's uh, summers and hunts and scouting sessions and stuff, you guys are all planning and, you know, getting out. I mean, you know, it's probably important to note this time of year, what am I, you know, what, what am I looking for on a July 4th scouting trip? Honestly, um, I will probably... These earlier, you know, anything like first part of July, June uh, scouting trips, bucks could not necessarily be up in the high country yet. I know that sounds, you know, but some of those bucks, I don't think they they officially will push up into some of the high, high country, especially, you know, if you're scouting over 10,000 feet, probably, they might not push up into that until August officially, right? They'll slowly work their way up. Robbie Denning calls it the green wave. They'll follow the green wave up, but they're not 
you know, real interested in post-holing through snow to get there um, if they don't have to. And they, I, I, I feel like they, I think they really take their time to get from point B, you know, being the winter ground to back to point A being the summer, um, you know, their summer ground. And so they, you might not necessarily find bucks or big bucks or even be able to tell that it's, you know, how it's going to finish or if it's going to be a really big buck anyway. So I will probably use this first scouting trip as a new, a new area scouting trip. In other words, um, just to get those eyes on the, on the area, on the basin or the two basins or whatever I'm thinking. Um, because that's as valuable to me early, you know, as finding big bucks in this case is just putting eyes on the, on the basin or whatever. And so, um, you know, if that makes any sense. And then later in July, first part of August, um, you know, that's when I would plan on hitting the areas that I've already put eyes on. And if I'm going to go in there, I'm going in there with the purpose of actually finding bucks uh you know if that makes any sense so probably trying to hit a new to me and then next uh you know next uh couple scouting trips after that hit somewhere that i've already been that i'm hopeful a big buck has moved into and by then you know middle of july towards the end of, of uh july first part of august hopefully by then i've you know i'm in an area where bucks are you know, Wyoming doesn't have crazy, crazy high country like Colorado might. And so, you know, hopefully by then bucks have moved in there. So that's kind of how I approach that as far as, you know, these first scouting trips. If you end up going out in June or first part of July, that's kind of how I look at it. So um, I'm actually just resetting my trip odometer as I'm pulling into town here uh, to get packed to leave. I need to check how far I actually ran last night. So I had to swing back around and reset my odometer. Pretty sure I went about five miles. So hopefully the odometer says about 2.5 by the time I pull into my house. So, okay, that is hunt series number four. Thank you for listening. The, again, the feedback has been awesome. Um, thanks for listening. If you want me to dive into something, I've gotten quite a few notes. A lot of them are just, Hey man, this is awesome. I can relate to what you're talking about too. Um, but you know, a couple of them have brought up some interesting talking points and maybe I'll dive into some of those. If someone's got something that they want me to dissect or disagree with or, you know, whatever, anything's, anything's welcome. So, okay. Again, pray for us going to be a long road trip. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See ya. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.